And it is time again with great data Ooh. comes great data latency, access to greater latency. Welcome to the Trino Community Broadcast, where we transform your latency woes into fast insights. The Trino Community Broadcast, again, is a show where we cover events and happenings with the open source Trino community and, as always, way beyond. Today, I'm always, as, as usual, joined by my co-host, Brian. Say hello. Hello, and I'm getting like totally blocked by the uh, Trina Community Broadcast thing here. So, hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm Brian and Olsen. we also have two guests. Uh, Amy is joining us from Fishtown Analytics, or now called DBT Labs, and Victor is also joining us to talk about more about DBT. So, lots of cool topics happening today. Maybe, Amy and Victor, you want to introduce yourselves a bit? Sure. Um, I'm Amy Chen. I'm a partner solutions architect at DBT Labs. Uh, we're the makers and maintainers of a open source transformation tool called DBT. Nice. Awesome. Looking forward to learn more about that today. And Victor, what about you? Okay. Hi. So Victor Kusunob. I'm based in Paris in France. I'm a solution architect at Starburst and uh, yeah, uh, joining the company since uh, two months now, learning a lot and uh, before working uh, for other um, data companies. So yeah, that's me. Yeah. So another really, SQL nerd, eh? Yeah. <laughs> really excited actually to hear how you got uh, involved with uh, DBT plus Trino too. So we'll, we'll we'll hop into that here in a second. So before we jump right into that though, uh, do we want to do a quick shout out to the uh, sponsors? And uh, I'm going to, oh, I'm actually, you're not going to be able to see this thing I was about to do. So we'll just go right into the ad then uh, by Starburst. I'm Colleen Tarto. I am the director of engineering on Starburst Galaxy. What is it actually offering? So, I mean, I, I think this kind of like builds on some of the open source Trino stuff, but is it doing a lot more? Uh, what what kind of pains is it solving? Could you kind of uh, uh, give us a little bit of insight on, on what actual pain this is going to be uh, uh, alleviating? Yeah, absolutely. And so to, to think about that, I always like to go back and think about what's the difference between Starburst Enterprise and Trino, right? And so I always like to think of Starburst Enterprise as the cool older sibling to Trino. It's a little bit more mature, a little cooler. It's got a, it's got a car. It's got yeah. some cool stuff going on, leather jacket, you know. Um, and Trino is awesome in its own right, don't get me wrong, but Starburst Enterprise is just better and a bit more grown up. And specifically what that means to me is that with Enterprise, you get more. You get more functionality, faster performance, more connectors, more security, better management, better integration into the ecosystem of tools that you already use today, data governance, integration, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what really speaks volumes to me is that when you use Starburst Enterprise, you get Starburst, right? You get best-in-class support from the folks who work for us, and they know Trino best because they created Trino, and they're con continuing to contribute to Trino. Um, but Starburst Galaxy takes that to a whole other level, right? So one of the pain points is installing, managing, maintaining, monitoring Starburst Enterprise. And so Starburst Galaxy alleviates all that, right? So it's um, a fully managed service. It's Starburst Enterprise as a managed service and more. What's the experience there for developers on Kubernetes first? And then on contrast, what would Galaxy look like? Yeah, I mean, I think Kubernetes, like you get to, you get all the benefits of Kubernetes, like it's self-healing and, you know, it, it's sort of like a modern way to manage it, but you're still managing it yourself, right? And so you still have to monitor it. If it goes down, it's still your responsibility, that sort of thing. Whereas 
Starburst Galaxy is a software as a service offering, right? So like we are taking in that responsibility of installing, managing, maintaining, monitoring the service, right? And so it it's a huge win, you know, like who wants the pain of that? And so, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, there are other products out there. This is really just, it's 2021. This is the way the world's working now is that things are available as a service, which is great because now Starburst is playing that game as well. I think there are a lot of exciting roadmap ideas of what we can build into Galaxy. And because it's a, you know, a hosted platform, the sky's the limit, right? Um, first and foremost, you know, we're focusing on performance and flexibility. And then beyond that, you know, there are exciting features that are either already available now or they're on route. Um, like in, in the immediate future, we're like updating our query editor and our notebook environment. We're thinking about usage and query optimization metrics built into the environment so you can easily see, you know, what are your users doing? What, you know, what queries are being run? You know, what's taking the most time? How can you like tune billing and things like that? Um, obviously, we've got our BI and data science tool integrations and more. I'm also excited about more advanced things like the ability to go cross to do cross cluster analyses within the environment of Galaxy, but also hybrid analytics. So the idea of like going across cloud environments. So right now we're just in AWS. We're quickly going to be adding GCP and Azure and potentially other clouds. But the idea is like, what if you have data in multiple clouds? Like just being able to like you know click a few clicks and then you're automatically analyzing data across clouds. That's really exciting to me. Do we have any plans for like data governance in terms of like, you know, you have now all of this, uh, these catalogs, yeah. this, this, you know, and it's kind of hard to uh, manage a lot of that and understand where to find it all once mm-hmm. you have, you're able to get there, but like, yeah. how, where's the map? And so yeah. uh, do we have anything that we've been working on with any partner companies or anybody that like, that could help us in that, that direction? I know there's like open source projects like a month and that people can use, but like there's, yeah. there's like, I think there's a lot of really cool projects out there involving data governance. There's a lot of really cool products and cataloging worlds. Um, and we are, you know, excited to bring that all into Galaxy. So that is absolutely on the roadmap. And one last question. Is yeah. uh, there going to be any free offerings coming up anytime soon? Is that on the road? Absolutely. We're building out, we've got a free trial. Um, so if you're interested, absolutely reach out to us. We are very excited about it. Um, and then we're talking about sort of a free tier. So like being able to just play around with it in your own environment and see what's what. We'll keep you all uh, up to date on when you can start to play around with Galaxy and Trino uh, for free for just a little bit and uh, get to know this incredible service called Starburst Galaxy. Thank you so much, Colleen. Thank you. Fantastic. So, um, Manfred, uh, we we are now uh, on the cusp, on the brink of of getting this release out. So, I think it's just time that we talk about it and uh, let everybody know what's coming on in uh, 359. What do you think? Well, actually, the cusp is over. Remember, last time we were at the cusp, the release is out. <laughs> the release. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It went out. Yeah, but but, but uh, true enough, we are on the cusp of releasing 359e, which is our Starburst Enterprise version. That's coming today or tomorrow. But the open source release is out, and uh, as usual, a lot has happened again. And I think there's a couple of things that are actually specifically very important, and also something you want to pay attention to. So let's see what Martin said. Martin thought it's worth mentioning that row pattern recognition for Windows functions is now functional. Um, 
The support for set time zone is a new command. And guess who wrote that, Brian? Who wrote that? Marius wrote that. He joined oh, us last right. week, remember? <laughs> I guess he got that PR going and it got merged and he got that in 359. So I think that's pretty awesome. Um, is that is that actually the one that we did? We Yeah, we covered that last time. I don't know why I like, totally blanked on that. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So it's pretty cool. It got merged, 359, it's in, releases nice. out. Everyone can use that now. So pretty awesome. Um, timestamp, as usual, we're working on pushing out the precision of timestamps down to the picosecond level. But as you know, that depends on the data source and the connector supporting that. Um, this time, three uh, mortgages were available and timestamp m support is now available in mysql so with mysql users they can use the connector to do that now um much more impactful change i think for everyone is that the docker image that we out of the box built for trino now is arm 64 compatible for those of you that are not aware of arm 64 um it's a processor architecture that goes parallel to x86 and is becoming more and more powerful and widely spread, not just on the usual, you know, like mobile phone kind of world, but on servers. And specifically, Amazon has like Graviton support and other clouds are jumping into it as well. And they are typically cheaper yeah. and quite a bit more powerful. So you can get a whole bunch of benefits out of using that. And now with the Docker container available, you can jump into that and use that in your Kubernetes deployment on EKS or whatever, whatever the hell you're using. So that's, that's pretty amazing. I think I was going to say that's a, that's a big one because we, I've been looking in ways that, you know, we can, if you're trying to like basically try out or, or validate, uh, the Trino, uh, in, in your company, uh, then I think like that is something that's super crucial to uh, make it cheap so that you can actually like run various benchmarks because everybody knows like benchmarks from, you know, any vendor is kind of subject oh, yeah, to totally. its, its own bias. Right. So, so, you know, you don't want to trust just any vendor and you want to be able to run those yourself and having something like being able to run on Gravitron processors and running it for way cheaper just to validate it and see basically not just even on like the generic TPC use cases, but you can actually like run your own data, actually see like which one is, is better for our use case. Uh, that's that's super huge, and I'm I'm wanting to post a lot more about that in the, in the near future. And having this ARM 64 compatibility with Gravitron processors is definitely one of the steps in the right direction. So yeah, and also huge. just to clarify, this has got into the Docker images. It already was in the touches at an RPM yep. usage. So now, whatever deployment method you have, you are free to go and go with that. And that's pretty pretty. Anyway. Looks like we have Corey Darby, a huge uh, person that's excited about uh, the ARM support. There, he's he's been telling me about how how much uh, he, he was on a, a episode uh, two episodes ago. Just like you know, super excited about all this stuff coming up because they're they're heavily reliant on uh, you know the Kubernetes and Docker setup. So woohoo, ARM support. For yeah. Docker. Also, by the way, there's two ways of playing this. You can either go to your management and say and say, hey. Now I'm saving you that much money and you get the same performance. Or you can say, um, I'm not saving any money, but it's much more powerful. So you can play it both ways, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's powerful and it's cheaper. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, another thing that kept, uh, came from uh, that Martin mentioned is that you can now grant update privileges. Uh, just keep in mind that, and that's something we're working on quite a lot now on the connectors. Uh, SQL-based security with grant and granting roles and all that kind of stuff. Um, depends very much on the connector. Uh, specifically, the Hive connector has pretty wide um, 
access and, and implementation for that. Other connectors, not so much. So that was Martin's notes. Now, what, what, what else did I find out? Or right. um, one thing that I noticed, was, which was funny, is um, the 358 release was on the 1st of June. The 359 release was on the 1st of July. So it's a whole month between releases. That's very atypical. I'm blaming it on the nice weather. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> because typically we're like two-ish weeks, maybe three, but this was a whole month this well, time. So, And you also got to consider, right? Like you have all these developers that have been just like stuck inside their basements and they're you know, like everything. Yeah, they're going like, out they're, they're, they're finally like, we're getting closer to a time where we can get to get outside a little more So yeah. like and travel. So it's like, yeah, just go go live your life for a little while. Let's, let's uh, hold off on the you know, the, the speed of, of rap, rap, rapidness to our open source for just a, a release or two, and we'll get back to it. <laughs> That's right. Barbecue and bar and, and, and uh, hang out on the patio, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, a tricky one that I wanted to mention because people will trip into that because I did. <laughs> well, not because of that, but um, the Java version required is now 11.0.11 or higher. So the latest release, there were some issues in the JVM itself that uh, caused some correctness bugs. So we upped the requirements uh, as a hard requirement. So make sure you update your Java version. Yep. Before I, I, ra I ran into that actually. I was working on a, a change in Elasticsearch and uh, I, I was just, I pulled the latest from uh, Master and I was just like, I, I, I had everything running like right before that. And I pull up, pulled the update. I was like, I literally changed nothing. What's going, other than like, Pulling in the yeah. stuff, what happened? And then I was like, oh, okay. And then, like, new code, new requirements. Got to got to update to my JVM. And I was like, great. So I had to like look on this old Stack Overflow message on how to do that with, uh, uh, with, uh, what's it called? Homebrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. I just put the latest Zulu, uh, JDK in. So that's cool. Nice. Um, Another thing that I mentioned, uh, wanted to mention is uh, materialized uh, view stuff gets more support again. So there's some metadata methods and stuff like that also pushed out into the connector. So in the SPI, there's some changes there, but there are additional changes on, so nothing breaking, but just uh, enabling more and more of materialized views becoming first class citizens, um, specifically in the iceberg connector, as you know. And also, by the way, I'm writing on docs for the materialized views now that they're becoming more and more practical to actually use. So that's that's awesome. Um, there was also a, a little bug fix where you use um, multiple LDAP uh, user bind patterns. There was a little bug that can, it's probably not very common that you encounter that, but if you're in a situation, it can be a lifesaver. So if you're in a large organization where multiple LDAP directories need to be contacted for a binding, then that can be useful. Network logging is also added in the CLI. Um, a nice new additional feature for debugging testing what's going on in terms of the traffic between the coordinator and, and the CLI slash any client essentially basically. And then um, one last one, the connector.name property on the Hive connector, our very commonly used Hive connector for all the distributed storage and everything is now actually just Hive. It was Hive-Hadoop2 was kind of a, re uh, a kind of a lie because it supported Hadoop 3. So I was like, well, it's kind of bad. <laughs> so, and uh, that's uh, not a breaking change though, by the way. Um, they managed to, it used to, this kind of changes used to be breaking changes, but no, not anymore. So it, it's backwards so. compatible, I guess. So if you still have Hive Hadoop 2 in, in terms of like how you have it set up, it'll still work. It'll 
like it won't it'll it'll recognize that connector property yeah right? exactly the only right. thing the only thing if you if you're copying things into the like if you have custom udfs or whatever that you're copying in the plugin directory on the deployment that directory changed so okay. um you need to be aware of that but that's a pretty much an edge case so awesome um, so yeah big release we're awesome. working on the next one as you can imagine <laughs> Have have a quick uh, question that came in, and, and Manfred, this is probably just putting you on the spot. You maybe don't know about this, but it's saying like uh, this is getting back to the Gravitron thing. Uh, it's saying, is there any? Uh, uh, let me see. I speaking of benchmark, is there a one for Gravitron? Graviton? I faintly remember that AWS Graviton has CPU for VP CPU, while vCPU is hyperthread. Uh, does this affect the Starburst Enterprise licensing? So. If you know that, like, can you answer that, or, or otherwise, I, I'm gonna have to say, Jacob, well, I'll have to answer that offline. Yeah, I have to be on offline. I have no clue about licensing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sounds good. Well, uh, Jacob, we'll we'll catch that uh, one afterwards. Uh, thanks for the question, and we'll we'll definitely um, uh, f follow through on that after the show. Um, so, without further ado, to be honest, I don't think it has an effect though. Because I know that a whole bunch of customers are already flopping around, and we've been using it internally for a whole bunch of testing and stuff. So awesome, awesome, yeah. So yes, so let's just call it like that. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna um, move on to uh, something, and I'm, I'm gonna just tell the audience right now. We, we typically do things in like uh, in terms of our sectioning of uh, the, the parts of the show. If you're new to the show, this isn't gonna affect you. But for those that are are, uh, are frequenters, uh, you're gonna notice that we're gonna do things out of order this week, and there's a reason for that. So we'll we'll cover that in here in a second. But uh, first off, we're gonna uh, go straight into the question of the week. Awesome. So, so this week's question of the week uh, is actually going to drive a lot of, of what we're actually going to be talking about. So I felt it was necessary that we, we started out here um, and, uh, and then moved into the concept afterwards. So this week's question of the week is uh, uh, one, again, from Stack Overflow. Can DBT connect to different databases in the same project? And so uh, uh, basically this user is asking like, you know, I, I DBT, I have, a, you know, I work with a single database within a project. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means here, especially for those coming from the Trino side that, that aren't familiar with like the DBT uh, uh, tech terminology. Uh, but basically if I have different databases, uh, uh, will that still work? Will I be able to basically pull from like multiple sources? Uh, and so, you know, the, the, the highest rated answer here right now is, is um, basically saying that uh, you really can't uh, do a lot of the extract and load part of, of pulling this in. Uh, so no, you know, you basically can't pull from two different data sources. You'll pull from one and then write it out to the other and, and basically kind of uh, handle it in a traditional ETL type way. So um, so this this is perfect, makes, makes sense. Uh, Victor actually answered uh, uh, the question a little bit, a couple, uh, I think, day, or a day or two later, or is it the... Is it, yeah, it's just a couple of like a month later or so. Basically saying you could also use Trino as this data source. And so uh, this is what we're actually going to be diving into today. Uh, he, he then points to this um, uh, this repository, if you want to check it out, um, that that he has. And this is also going to be what we're uh, going to be doing in the uh, demo today. So, so this is like the perfect question of the week, I think, to embody kind of what we're doing. And uh, I'll, I'll give Victor the floor a quick moment to just say, do you want to elaborate on your answer or what, uh, something I missed there before we hop right into the concept? 
Yeah, no, no. I think it's uh, it's clearly the, the question, and uh, because ju just for you to understand the, uh, why um, I have experimented that is that, in fact, I coming from the data preps world. Okay, so before Starburst, I was working for Trifacta. Trifacta is a best of breed data preparation solution. So I have experimented uh, DBT. I, um, I have uh, I did some tests last year, this year with DBT, and so. Yeah, uh, we will speak about this later, but I think it's, I, I have started to think about this fit between the two pro product. And then when I saw the question, I say, yeah, yeah, sure. We can do something. Uh, hopefully I did this uh, demo project uh, just a few weeks before, I think. And so, yeah, it was a perfect time to answer and yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. It's like, uh, you know, that, that timing is always interesting when you see a question that comes in is like, this is what I've been working on for like the yeah, last yeah, three weeks. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> so, yeah so awesome. happy to share. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's, that's, I think this brings us right into uh, the concept of the week. The idea of the concept is to answer my silly question of, DBT, WT, or what? Uh, what's going on, Amy? <laughs> what is DBT? Yeah, yeah. Amy, feel free if you want to uh, take this, take the show for a second, and uh, um, you know, do you have any slides that you'd like to share, or or do you want to just kind of uh, tell us a little bit about DBT before we go straight into the slide? Yeah, um, I actually can just let's go right into the slides. That way, okay. everyone has like a visual of uh, us. Awesome. All the things. So yeah, um, we definitely want to get right to the good stuff about like how Trino and DBT works well together. But uh, I, I wanted to give a quick like five minute overview of what DBT is. Yeah, especially because so um, we have a lot of people coming from the Trino side who who maybe don't have this background. And so uh, could you, yeah, please please do tell us like what is DBT and just what is DBT? You know, not not having to include the Trino stuff yet. Yep, exactly. Um, so DBT is a open source transformation tool. Um, the idea behind it is to essentially allow folks, uh, analysts, uh, analytics engineers to be able to work like software engineers. Um, this slide is basically like our like North Star of how we develop DBT and like the thought process behind it. Um, it, it touches upon two key things, which is that one, DBT comes from this mindset that um, and I'm sure everyone agrees that data should be collaborative. And we wanted to essentially provide a tool that allowed everyone, including data engineers, data analysts, to all meet in one place. The reason why we chose SQL is because it's super approachable. It's a declarative language. So um, generally, if you know English or uh, a similar romantic language, it, it's easier to onboard to it. And also, most folks are already skilled in SQL. Um, we, on the other piece of it is we also wanted to give a tool that actually promoted best practices. And to do that, we uh, borrowed, adopted software engineering best practices and essentially apply that to data. Um, this is why if you have heard of DBT, you might have also heard, at least in passing, the concept of analyst engineers. Um, we essentially wanted to give analysts the ability to do things like automate testing, um, version control, and just write code a lot more efficiently. So where DBT essentially sits in the uh, in the data stack is essentially on top of your data warehouse or uh, your data storage layer in this context. Um, DBT works as a transformation tool by orchestrating your SQL data pipelines inside of your warehouse. And what this essentially looks like is uh, DBT will issue a command to the warehouse, 
tell it how to transform the data, and then the warehouse will tell us if that transformation was successful or not. We don't move data around at all, and we push all of the compute down to the data warehouse because that's what it's optimized to do. Um, and a quick disclaimer, we are not an extract and load tool. Um, we really just only care about transforming what's already inside of your data warehouse. And uh, the, the thing that I want to harp on is um, how folks set up their workflow with DBT is essentially where it shines the most. Um, we, we take that analytics engineering best practice and then we make it really easy to build, test, document, orchestrate, and deploy your um, transformations. We're so also Andy, in it. Oh, go for it. I have a quick question. Like, so mm -hmm. you, we, we have kind of, uh, by the way, if you're uh, listening on the podcast too uh, and you're looking for the visual, we have a visual that pretty much is the same and that'll be inside the show notes. So feel free to look in your show notes for the, the visual that we're talking to. But in this visual, there's uh, on the bottom, there's this kind of section that, se that shows you uh, sitting on top of data platforms. And so what could be a data platform? Is it always like a, a specifically kind of traditional data warehouse like you have here, big, you know, Snowflake, BigQuery, uh, a lot of the uh, Databricks, you know, like what, what are the, uh, is there a, like a bigger scope of, of what can get plugged in here? Or is it just like always gonna be kind of a traditional data warehouse? So I, the answer to this is essentially, um, one, you need a DBT adapter uh, in order to connect to any of these warehouses. Uh, and generally speaking, you we really just need to uh, connect to something that is has a SQL query engine. If you can run SQL, we can probably find a way to um, run DBT with it. Fair enough. So, so you could also do this like tr technically, you could do this like on on MySQL database. Uh, it's, but it, does that make sense to do it on a MySQL database, or do you see that in the wild for DBT? We do. We actually have a MySQL uh, database uh, adapter. Um, it looking at our, our DBT Slack community, it's not one of the more popular adapters, and okay. a lot of this also comes from the idea that. Uh, DBT kind of fits more into the modern data stack. So uh, a lot of times folks who are adopting DBT are uh, feeding into this like analytics engineering mindset. So what we found is it, it's harder for the legacy tools to adopt DBT. And what about things like then, so we're, we're talking then from legacy, there's also this, you know, abstraction that uh, I think a lot of the, the same type of analytics folks are familiar with, which is called the data lake, right? And that's also mm -hmm. something that, you know, we, we that's part of Databricks uh, big offering is that they focus on data lake. So is data lake in, in a, you know, in a, in a very specific enterprise sense like Databricks, but like something like if, you know, a lot of our, our Trino users, they have like a, uh, you know, Hive uh, kind of setup or maybe a traditional Hadoop setup. Is, do you see that also being uh, widely adopting uh, DBT connectors that, that uh, directly interact with something like Hive? I will admit, um, I haven't seen any, uh, I, I've heard of folks wanting to use DBT on Hive, but I, I don't have much background in it. Sure. Um, in terms of, uh, things like Databricks, we uh, we do have that Databricks adapter that um, allows us to connect to the uh, the SQL Analytics, which is now called Databricks SQL, I mm. think. Um, okay. Endpoint. Got it. Okay. Yeah, because you know one of the the drawbacks of of something like Hive, right, is like you're it's not it's it has its own dialect of SQL, so yep. it's not probably speaking the it's not speaking the language that DBT you know kind of expects, which is ANSI SQL, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, the most legacy adapter that I've worked on is uh, I recently worked on the Oracle adapter. So oh, cool. we were able to get the Oracle adapter to work on uh, Oracle database as well as their new offering, which is um, the autonomous data warehouse. Okay. So uh, it, it's more about uh, all DBT does is it's a SQL compiler. So as long we're essentially just writing the SQL to you, but whatever is the uh, whatever is the database uh, or data warehouse of choice, um, it needs to be able to execute those. Queries. Fair enough. Okay. Didn't mean to derail you, but I, I, I th those questions yeah. came to mind, especially coming from like my total noob DBT sides of my. So, so, so I have oh, to ask another question. A naive question then. Um, does DBT stand for anything and where does it come from? Like, is it very new or very old or is it open source or? Yeah, so DBT is, uh, stands for data build tool. I know it's a very generic name, but- um, Oh, it, so it's like it, SBT, like the Scala build tool for the Scala program language. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, so it essentially comes from RJ Metrics. Um, previously, DBT was developed with uh, Tristan, who's our CEO, and Drew, who's our Director of Product, Head of CP. We have a lot of titles at Fishdown, and I <laughs> don't know all of them. Um, but essentially, it was developed uh, as a necessary component to, um, I don't know if you're aware, but Stitch was developed from RJ Metrics, and uh, DBT was essentially developed in parallel uh, or like uh, as a addition to support it, uh, the work that Stitch does with Extract and Load. Cool. So, uh, all the folks who develop DBT are uh, all nerds and all uh, analytics engineers. <laughs> nice. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, well, uh, get, get back to what you were uh, kind of moving on to before. I just, uh, I think there was just coming from the the new on the Trino mindset. I was I, that question is my head, so I'm sure I wasn't alone. So we are the masters oh. of distraction. Yes. <laughs> I love it. It keeps it more interesting. Um, the last piece I wanted to say about the slide was essentially uh, we are also integrated grit. We're also integrated with Git, so um, it makes it a lot easier to introduce uh, version control and CI/CD processes into your analytics workflow. Um, mm. I also feel the need to just clarify uh, what I mean when I talk about DBT. Um, I'm actually referencing two key things here. Uh, one is DBT Core. Uh, this is our open source transformation tool. That's the SQL compiler and the framework part of um, our product. And you essentially can interact with it via the command line. The other part is also dbt cloud. Um, this is our SaaS product. Uh, it's built on top of dbt core and essentially uh, expands upon its abilities. We give you things like slim CI builds, which essentially allow you to just run based on what has actually changed. Uh, so you can validate your pull requests a lot faster uh, uh, before you merge into production. We also have an API, which uh, is where a lot of folks like to integrate with other parts of their stack, like if you're using high touch for operational analytics. Um, I should also note that we we don't have a Trino adapter right now in DBT Cloud, but uh, who knows down the line? Yeah, um, we'll, we'll cover that adapter. Yeah, we'll cover that. There's actually an issue that we're going to talk about a little later in the show. Uh, so we'll we'll bring we'll bring that up because we we have a call to action I'd like to make on our on our community. One quick thing I'd like to also clear up, uh, you know, uh, Fishtown Analytics is is kind of a, a name that you all are migrating away from here, right? Is and uh, what's the new name that you're going to be called in terms of the enterprise version? Oh, uh, so clear. Yeah, uh, Fishtown Analytics uh, is now DBT Labs. We announced it last week. Okay. Um, uh, and but we're still calling the product DBT. Um, we're 
dbt core is going to be always the open source product and then dbt is probably going to be how we reference dbt cloud and any yeah. similar products and offerings Got it. Yeah, and that's that's great. So I think it's like you know a lot more associations. So DBT Labs is actually now the the name of the enterprise company that that builds on on DBT Core, and you make uh, DBT Cloud. And then um, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, and I wanted to also congratulate you on this uh, recent Series C as well. So so congratulations on that. That's always exciting yeah. to to see that uh, you know open source open core companies like really building up and doing well uh, in this space. So. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, I wasn't intending to show the slide, but like all of this is because of our DBT community. Um, I, I will always tell anyone who's interested in Slack, uh, who's interested in DBT to join our Slack community because we have 15,000 like professionals, uh, data professionals in the community who are really happy to just offer feedback, help people get onboarded to DBT. Um, yeah, we're only successful really uh, because our community believes in us. Rose, uh, Rose on Twitch says, congratulations. <laughs> so, awesome. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, uh, continue. I, again, Masters of Distraction. <laughs> I love it. OK, um, so this is the last slide. I know no one wants to live through a lot of slides. But uh, the last thing I want to touch upon is essentially the four concepts uh, of how DBT works. Uh, and the main one that I want to focus on is um, how one develops in, with DBT. So in DBT, all of your transformations are expressed in SQL select statements. This essentially means all you have to do is write the SQL select statement and then DBT, uh, when you go and run the actual model, DBT will write your DDL or DML for you. Um, the reason why we do this is because it helps uh, for promoting through different environments a lot easier and it's also possible to essentially now have item component builds, which if you're new to the uh, word of item potency that essentially just means repeatable builds. Um, and we have this really useful function called ref um, that is very helpful for that environment promotion. Um, you don't have to hard code your database object in your select statement anymore. You just have to use ref. And then when dbt actually goes to run your, um, your actual model, it'll make sure to replace it with the right database object based on that environment. Um, this essentially helps promoting from dev to prod a lot easier without, uh, you never have to update the code as you go through those different environments. Um, and that often removes a lot of the like potential for human error. Awesome. In relation to that, uh, the reason why you would want to use refs is you are essentially telling DBT how it relates, uh, how models relate to each other. Um, this allows us to automatically build a lineage graph and uh, we also are able to serve you a automatically built uh, documentation site that is really helpful for, say, stakeholders. It has that interactive lineage graph, and it also compiles information from your project and your data warehouse all into one place. And, and then, the, oh. this is, sounds huge in the data engineering space, too, because I constantly, like, people are constantly like, how do I debug my pipeline? And this is yep. like, how this is exactly how you can do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, we are also, uh, I, I hope I'm allowed to reveal this, or this is, uh, we're also it, working on a new feature in dbt cloud in the ID, which is our uh, browser-based development interface um, that will allow you to like uh, click around in the feature, uh, click around in the lineage, and then like it'll redirect you to the right model. And it, it's just really helpful for backwards uh, debugging. Yeah. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's accidentally joined two tables together and like introduced a fan out and yeah. had to go like, where did I do this wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
No, that is that is like so painful. I, I see a lot of people posting about these things and I've uh, I've luckily, you know, and I've actually been dealing with uh, pipelines ourselves. It was like, you know, I've, I've only made issues in, in testing, but I know it's only a matter of time uh, that, that I get something very easily, you know, something gets pushed into prod and uh, and then you're just dealing with this giant nightmare of like, you know, you're you're killing all your resources for no good reason. Yep. Oh man. So Yep. I've definitely uh had that where you're it happens, right? Where we yeah. are are rushed under deadlines and then we're like, oh gosh, I gotta push this through and I didn't yeah. test. Blame um, you gotta blame the process, not the uh, human, right? Yes. Yeah. But get blame also exists. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So which which is actually a really good lead to uh with testing. Um uh, for testing, it's really easy to write a test or use any of our out-of-box tests. Uh, it's essentially like a YAML file, and then you declare, hey, I want to apply this test to uh, this model on this column. And uh, all of our tests are also written in SQL, so like analysts can now just like actually write their assumptions and test them without having to like download all the data and then um, uh, write some very terrible VLOOKUPs in Excel. So that's always good. And uh, the last piece uh, I wanted to touch upon is essentially deployment. After you've done all this work, you want to make sure that you can deploy it very easily with less headache. And um, we're able to help that, especially with our integration with Git. Um, if you use dbt Cloud, you can also schedule jobs, alert when something bad happens, and also essentially implement a CI/CD workflow for anyone who's SQL competent. So awesome. that was kind of my spiel. That's and great. Yeah, no, this, this, I think this frames us very well to understanding like what DBT is. And so this will kind of lead us super well into what, uh, what maybe we're talking about, like what DBT is not as a little bit as well as, you know, cause there's a lot of confusion when you have these, these tool sets that do so many cool things, but you know, it can be because there are so many options, there's so many like use cases that you're accounting for. It can get meshed in terms of, especially in the messaging that we have to put out there. How do you, you know, clearly uh you know showcase what what is done and before i hop right into that i'd like to make a quick shout out uh you know danny thompson uh he's a huge member in the software engineering community uh, i wanted to say hi to danny uh he said dbt sounds pretty interesting so so yeah uh, uh nice to nice to see you on here danny and uh uh please share about this uh <laughs> please share about this to your huge network uh that we're about the show uh specifically dbt and uh about trino because uh yeah, I, I feel like we're doing some really cool stuff here today. So, um, but uh, uh, yeah, like there's there's a lot of uh, confusion that happens uh, when you you have these products that you know, in particular, you know, you, you, we're we're both dealing with SQL. We're both dealing with kind of you know, you could say data munging of sorts. You know, we when uh, things that both uh, projects DBT and Trina are capable of, but it, it kind of takes like a talk like this where we go into the specifics of like the real value adds uh, that that this tool makes. And I think, you know, for people now coming from Trino, they go, they're probably going, oh, that's the difference between them. But then we also probably have folks from the DBT side that have joined us today. And I'd like to kind of invite Victor up uh, to kind of, uh, you know, give a, his spiel or his kind of view vantage point from the Trino side uh, and how he has viewed DBT and how they, they kind of meld together super well. So, so Victor, yeah. tell us about DBT and Trino as tools together and how does, what is DBT not, and, and what is Trino using here? Yeah, yeah. 
I will, uh, so I will speak about that. So first, thanks, Amy, for your presentation. Okay, very useful. Uh, hopefully, I, I will demo what you talk about. Okay, so hopefully, I won't do any mistake, but I will demo the test, the documentation, the, the development. Okay, so it's cool for everybody. As also, as you say, Brian, I think it's very important for people to understand the, you know, you have a lot of buzzword, new technology every year, every month, you have new, new tools. And um, I think for me, working in industry since a long time, since 20 years, I think it's very important to, to explain to people. And it's why I like to do this kind of uh, tutorial and demo. Okay, so very important for, for me about that and why. So you see that uh, when you speak about DBT, you speak about what? SQL, SQL engine, transform the data, etc. So when I started last year to, to test DBT, okay, I did some tests on Postgre, etc. for my knowledge. Great, very interesting. Then I joined Starburst two months ago. And I say, come on, it's a SQL engine. It's the best SQL engine on Earth, Trino. Now you have press, you have DBT, the best transformation engine based on SQL. There must be something. Okay, so and also I think yes, there was some confusion. What is DBT? What is Trino, etc. So we must, with my knowledge, uh, I've tried to did to did something, and I found the use cases. I found some question on on the social network, etc. <clears throat> so for me, why it's a good fit? Because yeah, you you manage your SQL, you manage the query, you do everything around. We execute the query, so it's a good fit. And um, again, after depending on the use case, okay, you you you, I think everybody understands that DBT need to be able to write data. So DBT is a T of the ETL. So read and write in the same database, okay. But what's happening if you want to read and write in different data sources in different databases? What about if you want to transform your data in a data lake? As Brian was saying, a lot of people using S3, ADLA, GSS in Google, Hadoop, HDFS, etc. So what about this object storage? So I think with the power of Trino, okay, to execute SQL at scale on a lot of different data sources, streaming, NoSQL, etc., I think there was a fit, okay? And I have started to investigate. I have found the DBT Presto uh, plugin connector. And I have started to, yeah, to see what's happened in the community, uh, speaking around me, etc. And yeah, and I find this good use case. Okay, so I find some uh, good use case again for me. I don't know what you think, Monfred, Brian, and Amy, but to transform data on a data lake on object storage, perfect. To enrich, imagine you want to transform data on an object storage, but you want to enrich data coming from Kafka, uh, Snowflake, uh, I don't know, Postgre, etc. How to do that? Today in DBT, I think you are a bit stuck, okay? So it's where I think really the power of Trino can help to, to connect to different, yeah, as you see here. What about connecting different data sources? I will, I will do my demo with uh, combining uh, BigQuery and Postgre. So this is the idea, okay? The idea of Trino. Uh, I think people, they know better than me, huh? Brian and Manfred, but yeah, federate and mix data coming from different data sources in the same SQL query. It's a huge. It's a, it's completely uh, incredible. Okay, that, yeah. does does it make sense? Yeah. Is it yeah. Possible? This yeah. this makes perfect sense. And and you know we we what really comes down to is you know a lot of times there there are uh, there there are kind of uh, a lot of these use cases. This is just the general idea behind Trino uh, uh, in general. It's like you have a lot of uh, data that is just stored where it's stored. 
And there's, it's difficult to constantly have to move that data around. Uh, you know, there's, you're, you're, you're going to have teams that maybe want to have an operational database that sits in the RDBMS. You're going to have other teams that, you know, will, will be taking in a lot of mass media and a lot of JSON files or, or all sorts of different uh, things. And they want to store that into a data lake because it's going to be, you know, something on a, on a much higher scale. And they're not really looking for transactionality. They're really just looking for dumping their data somewhere and getting some analytics on that. And then you're going to have things like NoSQL where I have an application that mirrors uh, a lot of, you know, like a Mongo is, is a perfect example of that. Like, I don't want to do joins on this data, but I'm going to just basically take what is being uh, uh, represented on the application level level and push that data directly in a JSON format on, on a Mongo, or I want to be able to search through that data, uh, log data or something, and throw that into Elasticsearch. And I need a, a way to be able to interact with all these different data because like, you know, there's these there's these messages that we've been kind of fed that it's like, oh yeah, just get it all into one database. It's going to be great, and like that's that's really not not feasible. And so to be able to have this capability to you know have a single uh, point of access, but leave the data kind of like there and not have to necessarily you know do these transact transactions unless you have to like. DBT is doing this transactional uh, 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 portion of the of the code because this is going to be enriching the data. This is going to be doing things that are scheduled. But you're you're ultimately going to uh, you only want to kind of essentially do this movement when it makes sense. You you don't want to do unnecessary movement just because you want to run an analyst like a I want to be able to query across this data. Oh, well, in order to do that, you have to move the data first. That's that's like a requirement. And what we do is we take that requirement away and say no. You can actually, you know, you could move the data where it needs to move. Like if it's a requirement, ETL is never going away. That needs to happen in certain cases. But in the in the places where you're trying to do ad hoc investigative querying and trying to, or maybe trying to just enrich the data on very specific uh, set of, uh, of of databases, this is where it makes sense to pull in Trino and say, hey, let, we're not going to move this data. It's only going to be uh, used in this one instance, and we're going to, you know, basically. Uh, enrich the data in this way, and then that's it. So this is where I think that like the 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 two combined can be super powerful, just like you were saying, Victor. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, clearly give more access, more option, be able to enrich to mix data coming from different sources yep. with the power of DBT to to schedule everything to manage the query. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. I think I need to I need to see this now, Victor, because I'm really excited because. As a as a Trino user, I'm always like, well, I write my query in the CLI, and then once <laughs> the CLI is closed, it's done. I'm like, what am I going to put it now, right? Or I, I start managing files manually and run them through the CLI or my client. So it gets pretty painful pretty quickly. So it kind of sounds like David Hill could be solving that problem for me oh. and, and, and get rid of those headaches. So show me. Yeah. <laughs> OK, let, let's, let's go. Yeah, for, let's for move me, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, for me, DBT is like a factory, SQL factory. Okay, you you play around, you etc. And uh, Trino can be ready the the engine. But yeah, let's see. Yeah. Are you know, saying it's... that we should be going to the the demo of the week, Victor? I don't know. You are the master, so let's I'm go ready. to the demo of the week. All right, uh, Victor, feel free to share your screen at any time. And uh, for any podcast users, this is one of those portions where you will have to tune into the video to uh, to actually see what Victor's got going on. But uh, yeah, definitely excited to uh, uh, to see uh, this in action. I'm going to move our, our overlay here so that everybody can get the full full effect. Yeah. Okay. So can you see my screen? Yep. Yes. 
Okay, so it will be a live demo, so hopefully everything will be fine. And hopefully I, would, I won't say any mistake with Amy watching me. So uh, yeah, so what I'm going to demo is, uh, is really based on this uh, Git, okay, this Git project. I did some little change, but clearly you have everything here, okay, you will have the, the link, everything here to reproduce this de demo and to play yourself. So I won't go. I will go step by step, but uh, because I know her, I know it by hers. Let's start from the beginning. The beginning is what the beginning is to have a Trino server started. Today here, I don't have a cluster. I just have one server. Okay, it's already started. I can see here my Trino cluster with one worker already uh, started and waiting for something. So first, we have to define this um, this server. So everybody know for people who know Trino. So first, you have to define some catalog. Okay, for uh, people co coming from DBT, you define catalog on which uh, database or data lake you want to connect to. So today, I'm going to mix data coming from uh, BigQuery, Postgre. And I'm going to put back the result, write back the result into Postgre. Okay. So first, I need to define two catalog in my uh, Trino server. So I have one catalog called uh, uh, BigQuery. Okay. In fact, this catalog is um, is nice to use because it's based on DBT tutorial, public tutorial. Okay. So if we go, if you go in BigQuery, you can have a free account. You can see here DBT provide uh, a public um, project called dbt tutorial with two data sets, three data sets, in fact. So here in BigQuery, we speak about data sets. It's like a schema, OK? So here I have one data prep uh, data set or schema with different table. And uh, for this demo, I'm going to play with this uh, shop order table. So you see in this table in BigQuery, I have a ID, ID of the order, user ID, order date, and status. Okay. So this is my table stored into BigQuery DBT tutorial public uh, project. Then I have my local Postgre database. Okay. So this is a Postgre database start on my laptop. Um, something important uh, we have to say again this huh, is very important to, to understand that to to be able to work with DBT, Trino, uh, we need to have at least one connection with a create table or create view and drop table permission. Okay, so you, you won't be able with Trino to write everywhere. Okay, so we are very optimized and well for data storage, for object storage, etc., for Postgre, but not for everybody. Okay, so here I have selected Postgre because we are able to, to delete table, to drop table, to create table, etc. Okay, so here I have my connection to Postgre. Good. The, the last config I need to do is in Trino is this one, header. What is the story here? I think um, people from the Trino community know that. Before uh, we was working with Presto as a header name. Okay, so today the plugin, the DBT Presto plugin, use a Python library, and this Python library refer to Presto uh, name. Okay, so here we have to say to Trino, okay, I'm going to expose my service, okay, my API, but in fact my name is not anymore Trino, it's Presto. Okay, so you need to force the header name to be Presto so that dbt plugin can connect to it okay but this will be something to do so we will have a, a call to action later but i think we need to yeah to start to develop a new connector uh, with a real uh, trino name inside <laughs> 
Okay, but so into the config of Trino, you need to say, hey, my name is Presto and not Trino to work with dbt. So this is a config, great. My, ser my server is started. So if I, if I go just to show you into uh, dbver, here you can see my Postgre database. I have what I have here. I'm connected to, uh, sorry, if I come back here, uh, my Postgre properties file, yeah. So I'm connected to my database, uh, database, okay. So here in my database, I have one public schema and few table, okay. And now if I connect from Dbver uh, to Trino, I have my BigQuery uh, ca catalog, okay, with different schema. I have my data prep schema, okay, uh, with three tables coming from dbt, and I have my Postgres schema with my public schema here, sorry, catalog, schema, and my table, right? Okay, so this is for the Trino, for the, for, for, for the Trino side. For dbt people, okay, understand that you can, you can query one uh, catalog. Here, I query Postgre public schema, my table, okay. I can query my big, big data table, great. And then the power of Trino is what? Is in one join, you see this join here. I join BigQuery and Postgre, okay? And it's what we're going to do with dbt is to, uh, to create one new table in Postgre with this data coming from Postgre and BigQuery. And here also what I do, I do a group by customer ID and I get the min order date of the order, the max order date and the number of order. Okay, so this is a query we're going to work with. So now, any question? Is it fine, Amy, if you have question on Trino, I jump into dbt, it's okay? Right, no, no question, don't hesitate. Huh? If something is not clear, I hope it's enough large. Okay, great, Brian. It's making sense so far, okay. so. Okay, good, good, good. So now in dbt, so for people who don't know dbt, first you have to define what they call a, a profile, what we call a profile. A profile is where you define your connectivity. So if you want to do multiple tests, if you have multiple dbt projects in your profile file, you can define different profile for different connectivity. So you see on the bottom, I have my connectivity to uh, BigQuery. If I just want to transform data, read and write in BigQuery, if I want to do the same in Postgre, great, I define a connectivity to Postgre. But here you see, I'm going to define a connectivity, a profile to Trino, okay? So I just say, okay, my here, I have a local host uh, Trino server, the port number. I'm going to connect by default to the Postgre SQL catalog, even if I'm going to use other catalog, but by default, I use a Postgre catalog and the type of this connection is Presto. Okay, so this is a profile. Now in dbt, you define a project. So what is a project? If I go here, up here, yeah. So a project is defined with a YAML file. Okay, so with this file, you define, okay, you define what you want to do, what you want to model, what you want to transform, etc., etc. So Trino, my, this is my project. First, I have to declare, okay, what is my profile? What profile I'm going to use? I'm going to use a Trino profile defined into my profile file, okay? So here, I will use this profile by default. This is a default path because in, in dbt, you can have some, yeah, you can define tests, macros, snapshot, etc. 
Uh, in this case, I will just show you some macro model test, uh, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, at the end, the most important here it's the model. A model is, uh, for me, it's a way to yeah to um, it's how you're going to say to DBT to transform the the data is where you put your SQL. In this case, I I doing some uh, table. Okay, I'm going to materialize to materialize the result of DBT in a table. You can also define view if you want to create view. Uh, now, DBT, I think you can also do incremental. You can, in, you, you can do insert. In this case, I'm going to create a new table. Okay, And by default, I use this post gray, this catalog post gray, and this schema public. So now, the trick, the trick in DBT to use Trino, and it's, it's one way to do that. Huh? Perhaps there is other way. I know there is another way, but first trick is to define some variable. I define variable. What, what, what is variable? It's very simple. The variable will, will be my Trino catalog, BigQuery, and will be the schema, the, big, the BigQuery schema I'm going to use. Okay, so I define variable I'm going to use into the dbt. So I have two variables and this. Now let's go into my model. What I want to do is what? I want to create this customer table in PostGrey based on BigQuery and PostGrey table. Okay, I want to mix two tables and create a new table. So into the model folder here, I'm going to define this uh, SQL file. So here, dbt, in fact, you, you work with a subquery. Okay, you, you, you group, you work with a subquery. And at the end, uh, here, because my file is named customer.sql, if I run this, I'm going to create a table called customer. So the first part here, okay, I'm going to go into my uh, uh, PostGrey uh, shop customer table. I just do a select, okay. Then I have another subquery called order. And in this case, I'm going to go to BigQuery, okay. You see that here, I'm going to say, okay, select the ID, user ID order with some re rename from BigQuery, okay, so from BigQuery catalog and my BigQuery schema define into the project. And so I'm going to query this shop order table into BigQuery. Then I have another part to do the group by. OK, so order group by customer. It's just to do the group by of the order. So I use the previous subquery to compute the mean and the max of the order dates, the count of the order. Great. And at the end, the final step and the, the final result will be what? Will be the join between my customer ref, this subquery, okay, and the join with order group by customer from BigQuery. Okay, so you see here, I do the join, and then I have all my data from my table. Great. So this is my model I'm going to use. Um, I, Victor, I have a quick question. Is yeah. uh, so if you're you have the BigQuery catalog there, and but yeah, I don't see I don't spy the Postgres. You're also reading from Postgres somehow. You don't have to define a catalog for Postgres, or how's that working? Yeah, I don't have because this is the default. So even here, you see here, for example, into my de default project, I have defined a, cat a default catalog and schema. Even without this, in fact, dbt will go into this profile file and we will use this catalog and this schema. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you can force here, you can say, okay, into this model, uh, I use this catalog and schema, but then into your SQL file, if you don't say anything, we use the default one. 
Okay, got it. Okay, so you only have to specify BigQuery just because you are uh, just because that uh, you're not using the default in that particular table, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. There's also and why, uh, why does you... it? Oh, so go. Why does it have to be a variable? So it can be something else. So for example, here I put in my. Uh, as you see here, what you can do it's here. Yeah. So into your SQL model also. Okay, you can directly change the, the config. Okay, so in fact, I, I could have put this, I think, just before something like that. Okay, uh, again, I'm not an, an expert, but you can also define just before, you can change just before the catalog and the schema. But you okay. can't hard code it because it doesn't understand. Yeah, I prefer to have a variable, so it's better when you, if you want to use it in different mo models. I think it's better oh, okay. to have a variable. Yeah. Okay. It's Thanks. following the DBT standards better, I'm assuming. Uh, so yeah, we, we generally push against um, essentially hard coding any database objects. Um, I will say an alternative approach to this rather than using variables is using something called sources. So when you use variables, you lose out on the lineage graph. DBT doesn't know where you're pulling from. But if you declare something as a source, you're able to um, then uh, tell DBT, hey, there's this like raw object in a database that uh, our models are building off of. So if you were to declare uh, this BigQuery um, Jaffle Shop uh, orders as a source um, in a sources.yaml file, um, you can then use sources uh, rather than variables to just um, yeah. continue on to tell DBT like, uh, so when, so basically, if you were to do a dbt docs generate here to see the lineage, um, you wouldn't see the BigQuery lineage. But if you use sources, you would have that node. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I have already here. I was looking into my uh, local Postgre tutorial. I did, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You can create some sources, and then you you work with your sources everywhere. You don't have to take care anymore about the the schema and the catalog. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Is that is that also, a better alternative than Amy? Like, if, if people are wanting to kind of test drive them themselves, that's what you would recommend in terms of keeping that way the lineage stays pure. And clear? Exactly. Uh, okay. You you want to have the full view of the lineage. Also, with sources, you can apply uh, tests. You can apply tests like source freshness or um, uh, like our usual tests to sources. So you can then apply your test to your raw data before it ever touches any of your transformation layer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, sources is a good uh, best practice. Yeah, for DBT. Um, so now something also, Amy, I did. Uh, it, it, uh, I, I think it's important. Perhaps it's because I have used this uh, method, and we have to know that by default, if you replace the default uh, catalog uh, schema, uh, sorry, catalog and schema, yeah, the schema. Mm -hmm. Basically, by default, I know that if I go into the DBT uh, okay. documentation, by default, the schema, if you if you say, okay, I'm going to use a custom schema, by default, DBT will concatenate the default schema underscore the new schema. Okay. Exactly. So in yeah. the configuration, if you were to declare, hey, I want to build into this particular schema, um, our default is to concatenate. Yeah. Uh, so our first mode of where we build into is first that default, unless there is a schema declared, and then we build into the schema name that you've declared concatenated to the um, default. But to override this, you would need that. Uh, I think you're about to show. Yep, the yeah, generate yeah, schema yeah, name yeah, macro. Yeah, 
Exactly. So what I did, I overwrite the, the, the default macro to generate schema name. And I say, okay, if you have a new uh, custom schema, uh, just to put this, the custom schema name. Okay. Don't do any uh, concatenation, etc. Okay. So this is also a step to do. Uh, you will see the error quickly, huh? but uh, this is so, something to, to keep in mind. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so here you have your SQL, you have your um, macro for uh, generate schema name. Something I did also, um, Amy, you were speaking about this. I did some tests. Okay, so here you can see that I have created a test file, a simple one. So I'm going to test uh, one number of order colon. I want to test if it's not nil. I'm going to test if customer ID is unique, not nil. And I want to test if first order date is not nil. Okay, so this is a, a test file you can implement to run some ten to, to run some tests on top of your projects. So something also I did, and I will show you that now. Uh, I have created into my Git. I put also a CSV file so people can use this CSV file. And something very interesting in um, in DBT, you can directly up upload a file, a local file into your database. So very useful. So let's start to, to run some query at Be least. Before we run the query, Victor, I have one more question is um, the the uh, test there. What happens if the, if the test fails? Does it just like flag it or does it actually like stop the query? No, it's just, as I know, as I know, it's just a warning, it's just a flag. You run a test, you have a report okay. and that's it. Okay, okay I got it. So yeah. for test your uh, you're essentially allowed to apply severity levels. It could just say warn, it could be uh, an error. So when you do DBT tests, it'll just uh, error out on that actual test. Okay. By default, but you can also put it as a warning depending on how severe that test is. And and you can define different things like what to do in this case too. Like would you, could you also define like re retry or retry X number of times and this kind of thing or? So that would, uh, that's kind of out of scope for DBT core. Got it. It's more okay. in terms of like how you're uh, orchestrating your workflow. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, so yes, let's start to play a bit uh, with DBT. So first uh, here, I put some useful common to test. So let's go one by, by one. First, this could be very useful to check your environment. So I hope it's enough, uh, oh, sorry. You yeah, can good. See. yeah, okay. So here, DBT version can be useful to, to check that everything is ready, uh, and especially the plugin. Okay, for example, here you see that I, I have the Presto plugin installed, BigQuery, etc. Uh, you have to be careful because with all the Python dependency and the virtual environment, etc. Anyway, so it's a good way to, to check that your pl plugin are ready uh, to use and uh, you have the right version of DBT, etc. Oh, so DBT, uh... yeah, go. If you don't mind me adding yeah, in, um, yeah. so DBT, when you install DBT right out, uh, the global DBT project comes with the BigQuery, Snowflake, and Redshift and Postgres adapter. But if you wanted to use Presto, you would have to uh, install the Presto uh, adapter um, locally. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there is a ready here uh, on the yeah on DBT website. There is the the way is clearly it's just a pipe and that's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so here it's a good way to check. Now um, let's go into next one was, yeah. The debug is to check uh, from me, huh? it to check that the connectivity is okay. Uh, you don't have a wrong file into your project and you can connect to everything. 
So if I run dbt debug, it will check the connectivity, so the connectivity to Trino. It will check that my profile file, my YAML file are okay. Uh, I have a dependency on Git, etc. Okay. So here it's a way to before running anything to check that your pro your project is ready to to run in terms of connectivity, in terms of uh, file model, etc. Okay. So here you can see that great. I can connect to my localhost Trino. It seems to work. Uh, now, as I said before, something also you, you useful if you want to seed to load a file into Postgre. Okay, great. If I do that, and here it's where it, dbt will execute a query. So if we do that, we will load the file in dbt. Uh, sorry, we will load the CSV file in Postgre. And interesting, if we go back into Trino, okay, UI, you will see that normally I have my first query. Okay, so you you can see here what dbt did. Uh, dbt uh, create a table and then do some insert from the CSV file into the table. Okay, so this is really uh, the query run by dbt to uh, create this table. Okay, can, but, can you click yeah. on that uh, that query just so that people could see the full full query that gets generated? This one, yeah. Uh, yeah. this one here, yeah, <laughs> pretty big. That's all I wanted to show. <laughs> so yeah. you can Just send. an insert, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's useful. I think this uh, seed command is useful, yeah, to load any data. Great. Now, something you can, uh, I feel interesting. If you want to, to see what dbt will do before any run, run is uh, the, the, the most query. If you want to see the SQL file, the SQL statement dbt will generate and will execute. A useful command is dbt compile. Because in fact, now if I do dbt compile, dbt will take this file. Okay, sorry, the custom here. And it will generate an SQL query. So if I do that, dbt compile is everything to create the, the SQL query without execution. So now I can see, for example, normally in target compile here, customer SQL. So you see that this is a SQL query generated by dbt. You see that we have re that replaced this BigQuery. Uh, we, we have the right catalog and schema name. Okay. So everything seems ready. It seems good. So now the main command is what? Is dbt run. So dbt run, remember, normally I will have to, I will create a customer table into my postgrade data based on uh, BigQuery. Okay. So let's do that now dbt run, okay, start, etc. We'll see the results. So here we read from BigQuery. Okay, seems okay, Com complete for a second. So let's first start to check into uh, my, uh, so I can start first into my um, Postgre. If I refresh here, great, I have my customer table with my uh, first name, last name, first order, okay. Obviously, if I also refresh into my from DB, from Trino, if I refresh, I can see that I have my table. Okay, and now I can uh, easily select my. Uh, if I go here from uh, Postgre, okay, select from Postgre, and if I go quickly into my public. And my customer table, okay, here, run. So here, via Trino, okay, I have created my Postgre table created by dbt, 
Okay, and now also interesting, if I go into Trino UI, let's go in UI here, okay. Let's see if I refresh the UI, finish. Okay, so you, you, you see here, here it's coming from, okay, sorry. So here, everything's coming from dbver. Let's go back here, yeah, you see here. So as you see, dbt will, will execute, will launch, um, yeah, uh, di different query, okay? So we drop, we'll try to, we try to drop some temporary table, drop table, create temporary table. So here we can see what's happened here, alter table, etc. So I think this one is the most interesting one. Let's see. Yeah, so you see here in Trino, okay? Uh, we have the query coming from dbt. So the query is what? Is create table, uh, order as, order group by, final, select, etc. Okay, so this is a query directly um, generated from D dbt. Okay, so last step we can do, yes, we can do test. Test is to test uh, my stuff. So let's see here, perhaps better like this, test. So I'm going to test the results. So you can see everything passed. Oh, it seems that I have any, an issue. Yes. Why? Because in fact, some order date, huh, you can see here, some uh, first order dates are null. So I have an issue here. Okay. And in fact, un under uh, the hood, if you want to understand, uh, dbt will also execute SQL query to check this quality. Okay. To, to check this test. So here you see that it failed. Uh, I have uh, yeah, 38. Uh, issue with my query. Mm. Okay. Um, if I just to finish, I can also generate a doc. So very interesting. So generate doc, I will generate a, a file, a decent file I can use for my documentation or what I can do also. Okay. I can also directly start a small HTML server. Okay. And here, normally, oops. So this is a documentation generated by dbt. You can see your project, you can see your data. Here is my small macro. I can see my model. Okay, so this is my customer table I have created. I can see the, the colon. I can see that on this colon customer ID, I have two tests, unique and not null. And I can see the source of my model and the compiled SQL, etc., etc. Okay, so you can see here the power of dbt. To uh, to manage uh, yeah the test the documentation etc uh, etc et wow I feel like I've been doing SQL queries just wrong my whole life now <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, uh, I feel like such a noob <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I think it's impressive what you can do yeah uh, and everything is uh, is based on SQL so yeah well, yeah everything's answered so right? question so, question yeah. question about that SQL that you're writing there is that Trino's ANSI SQL dialect in terms of like the detailed uses of functions and stuff like that, or does DBT do any managing on it, or does it just straight use that whatever it, you write? I think it it's is straight, just straight Trino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. So that's why uh, if you're switching between different uh, adapters, sometimes you have to change your SQL based on whatever uh, okay. data warehouse you're executing. Absolutely. So that's another advantage then, because if you use Trino and don't and write Trino SQL, you don't have to change adapter or anything because the same Trino SQL works into any data source. So if you go via Trino as an mediator, 
you relieve that pain of switching SQL as well. So you could use the same statement into Oracle or MySQL, even though they're both like exactly. theoretically the same SQL, but practically not, right? And you can also query your your, your data lake and whatever else with it. So that's that's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, yeah. DBT don't do any transformation or, or change into this SQL. So as Amy say, I think for example for incremental, um, if you want just to increment your 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 table or create a view or incremental, do insert into your table. Depending on the database, some databases they, they support merge, some databases they support perhaps upset, etc. So yeah, it depends. Yeah. So in Trino, we just had update added as a SQL statement and that's added in a bunch of connectors now and merge is also in the process of being written and added and, and add connectors so depending on the connector you'll get more and more functionality and we are farming that out to more and more connectors so yeah this is going to be really amazing i would say cool. the the safest bet you know if you're wanting to write data out somewhere is to is to write it out to like s3 or your data lake using the hive connector I would say that's our most tested, most like you know resilient uh, uh, place where you can you know write data back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one one of really the, the good fit and the best use case is ready to to enrich to transform data into your data lake. Yeah. But with data coming from anywhere, with data yeah. coming from yeah Mongo yeah. and etc. Uh, because uh, yeah, you, you can join everything. So yeah. Well, thank you so much, Victor. Uh, that that was a uh, like such even more detailed than I was okay. originally thinking. It's so great. I hope it, uh, it was not too much or too less, but uh, no, it was it was exactly. It's good because yeah, I feel smarter again today. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually feel like I learned something, and I just like I just sat back here. I we're, we're me and Manfred are supposed to be the hosts on this, and like we're just sitting here learning, and like, well, that's great. <laughs> so so thank you so much for that, and and, and Amy, thank you so much for uh, for for joining us today and showing us like all all of this cool stuff. Um, before we, we hop off, um, I'd like to take a quick moment to uh, move on to our final portion of the show. Uh, actually, no, before I do that, I forgot to say we, we have a call to action uh, that we want to, to mention here. Um, and so uh, so basically, you, you see, you know, uh, Victor, we're, we're talking Trino here today, yet, you know, Victor was kind of pointing to a lot of these uh, DBT Presto uh, usage. So uh, so there is a uh, an adapter, uh, or is it a plugin? I so. Victor, you were saying it was plug-in. Amy, you're, you're calling an adapter. Uh, which is it the same thing, or does it matter? It's a plugin that adapts. Yeah. What exactly. is, yeah. What, what is your official name? I don't know. What, what is your official name? I don't know. Uh, we are generally using adapter for. Okay. Um, <laughs> but got it. We'll call I it an adapter for now. <laughs> yeah. So so tomato tomato, but uh yeah the the adapter uh DBT Presto is what you can currently use to to uh, run it for now, but. There are a lot of things that like were not updated with the uh, outdated kind of like uh, Presto uh, Python client, and so we're kind of I want to make a quick call to action. There's a, a currently a um, an issue that's opened under DBT Presto. Um, it's uh, issue number thirty nine. Uh, some somebody in the community has requested that uh, basically we move to the Trino uh, Python client, and uh, Victor actually replied on that. So. I don't think there's going to be conceptually. There's not a lot to be done here. Like you basically will be moving from the original DBT Presto uh, adapter, copying that over, and then mostly replacing a lot of that that Python client call, uh, calling and and uh, uh, dependencies there. So yeah, I think it's really just naming things from Presto to Trino, updating the dependency to use the Trino Python client, finding yeah. the latest version of that, 
and then and then fingers crossed might be already there <laughs> yeah so the, the trino python client i also linked in here so if anybody's interested in this uh definitely do that um and basically, uh, Amy, you were telling me a good place to kind of get uh, connected in here where, where we can all meet each other. I'm, I'm actually about ready to hop on the DBT Slack myself. Uh, there's a channel called DB-Presto. And uh, I think you, you were kind of mentioning we might be renaming, we could rename that channel yeah. to DB-Presto-Trino or something. So uh, we've already gone ahead uh, before this podcast this morning. Yeah. Uh, we updated to DB-Presto-Trino. Uh, Awesome. So now it actually captures uh, all the yeah. products. Cool. So I'll, I'll go ahead and actually update that. Now we're going to create a separate adapter because they're the like based on the way that the clients work, they're not going to be compatible. So we'll create a separate project. But the if you want to get involved in it, go to the db-presto-trino channel on uh, and you could just go to community.getdbt.com and just right at the beginning, you just join the Slack community there and uh, and so. Uh, I'm going to be joining that today. Victor's already there, and um, and basically just like we'll we'll talk about a strategy for anybody who's interested in uh, in, in working on this because um, I think it's going to be a fairly straightforward one, but it's going to be powerful, especially from what you saw today uh, from from what you we we get by kind of merging our our uh, projects together. So so really excited about that. Thanks for showing that, Victor, and uh, yeah, definitely join us if you're if you're interested in adding that. So now, now that I've done that, uh, I would like to uh, move on to the PR of the week. Okay, so for the PR of the week, uh, this week was uh, committed by uh, Ayush Bilala from, uh, he's a staff uh, software engineer. I almost said uh, uh, staff sergeant because that's probably from my military days. Every time I see staff software engineer, I think of like a, a the staff sergeant title. Anyway, staff software engineer at uh, Walmart Global Tech. Uh, he's been involved in the community and write, does a lot of good uh, write-ups about uh, running on particularly, uh, uh, they run on Google Cloud as well as Azure. So he has like a lot of cool, if you look at his uh, Medium uh, link, he, I think he has it in, somewhere in here. Uh, he, he has a lot of cool articles on um, on how to, uh, run Trino uh, in the uh, uh, basically in uh, GCP as well as Azure. So he cre he created this uh, pull request externalized destination table cache expiry duration for BigQuery connector. A big long title, but basically uh, what what uh, the the uh, he exposed this uh, TTL view cache TTL to allow you to configure the cache expiration because I think we were using whatever the default was for BigQuery, which was like 15 minutes. So, so this is like you know pretty pretty useful uh, uh, to for anybody who's using BigQuery a lot because you know you sometimes in in some certain cases you want that cache to hang around, but like caches. One of those tricky things, like you, you either want it for a long, you know, like a slightly longer time, and it's always going to depend on the use case. So, so thank you so much for that uh, contribution, uh, Ayush. Uh, uh, big shout out to you uh, for constantly keeping our BigQuery uh, code up to date and and very useful, uh, as well as uh, sometimes even our our Azure use cases. So, so thank you very much for that. Um, so that's pretty much the the show. Uh, let's go hop in here. Did uh, did anybody? Uh, Amy, Victor, uh, Manfred, do any of you want to kind of uh, say any final words before we part uh, to kind of you know, summarize what everybody's like talked about or learned here today? I'll start with you, Victor. Um, no, I think don't hesitate to contact us, okay, to again from the community. Uh, don't hesitate to take this example from my git again. I think it's, uh, yeah, 
the, the two solutions are very good and very top SQL solution. So yeah, don't hesitate, go test. Uh, it's not magic. You, you cannot do everything, but I think it's a good start. And yeah, yeah. awesome. And Amy? Yeah, uh, I'm just going to follow Victor's train. Just feel free to reach out to me in uh, DBT Slack. Um, I'm Amy at, I think, Amy DBT Labs as my handle. So awesome. I'm happy to talk about DBT and all things. Great. And Manfred, uh, anything before we hop off? Um, I'm, I'm impressed. I have to say, DBT, I didn't really know much about it. I learned a lot about it. And it's it's very interesting approach to sort out all the headaches of like, you know, having all these random SQL query statements lying around, not understanding where, what and what. And it seems a very promising combination and uh, with, with Trino. To oh, yeah. Actually, like it, it seems to like, be beneficial to both sides, right? Like DBT kind of really needs a query engine. Yeah. Uh, Trino is a very flexible engine that has very rich SQL support, is very performant. It's kind of like, it's, it's, it seems amazing really, to be honest. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I did just a small demo, okay? So you can do much more and I, I know that people so do much more complex stuff with DBT. So my demo was already simple, I, I can say. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks. Thanks everyone yeah. for, for your Very time. Cool. Uh, we, we will see you all in two weeks. Uh, next, next, uh, show is we're going to be bringing on folks from, uh, LinkedIn to, uh, talk about, uh, their, their journey from, uh, they, they had since then been on the old Pre Presto SQL version. And, uh, now they finally made the upgrade to Trino. We're going to be hearing a lot more about that. So look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you all in two weeks. Thanks a lot again, Victor and Amy for joining us. See you then. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Music for the show is from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album by Shishtof Swabikowski. Don't forget to give us a star on the Trino repository at github.com forward slash TrinoDB forward slash Trino. And for more information on future shows and to find show notes, check out trino.io forward slash broadcast.